Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Well, here we are again with the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Before we get to our guests, we'd like to thank those of you who financially support the show and help us continue with these interviews. And you can do that by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation for as little as $5. And you can find out how to do that by going to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Now, Every time we do these podcasts, we hear absolutely incredible stories of people suffering serious illnesses, many of which are life-threatening, and they successfully dealt with their health issues through the use of cannabis oil. Well, today we have another one of those stories. Shelly Ann Brown lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and has been dealing with stage 4 breast cancer that metastasized to her bones and all of her organs. And she joins us. Shelly Ann, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Shelly, what was your cancer journey? How's that been for you over the last couple of years? Well, I've struggled on many occasions. There was a few times where I wanted to wave the white flag and it didn't look like I was going to continue. But um, I've always pulled through and continue to fight. And now I'm really glad that I persevered because I'm doing really well right now. Fantastic. Now, tell us how things started for you in September of 2020. Apparently you got hit by a horse. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, I train racehorses and a horse had pushed me up against the wall. And after a few days of being in a lot of discomfort, I decided that it was time to go get checked out. So off I went to the hospital thinking I probably needed an MRI, not an x-ray because I didn't think I got hit hard enough to break anything. But I thought maybe there'd be some soft tissue, maybe a rotator cuff that was you know, bothered when I got hit. And they said they wouldn't do an MRI, but they would do an x-ray. And when they did the x-ray, they found a huge mass around my lung. And that's what prompted them to send me off to the big hospital here in Winnipeg to have a CAT scan to find out what was going on. And after that CAT scan, uh, it was easier to tell me where there was, uh, was no cancer than it was to tell me where there was cancer because I was just so full of it. When the CT scan came up, they said that they had never seen somebody on first diagnosis that had that much cancer. Shelly, you must have been an absolute shock. I, I just sat there in disbelief. I didn't have any words. I mean, I came in with a sore shoulder. I didn't realize I had stage four cancer and I was going to be in the biggest battle of my life. So it was a pretty significant day. So at that stage where you're diagnosed there, where is the cancer at that point? 
at that what point, was it affecting? Yeah, so then they had to figure out where it came from. So it was off to biopsies and stuff like that. So after they did the biopsy on my breast, I had a big lump on my breast. I had also gotten a horse had actually bit me in the chest. And the lump had been there for a couple of years. And I didn't really notice it changing. And I guess that was um, my fault for not being aware that there was some changes going on in the shape of that lump. And uh, that's why they feel it started was the breast cancer that metastasized and uh, like I said it's in in most of my bones and all of my organs and um, but at that point there um, it was just about trying to figure out where to start you know where's the starting point because there was just so much cancer. Did they tell you how long you had? Yeah right off the bat the doctor came in and he said untreated I'd be lucky if I had three months left with treatment maybe six months and then they started once they got the biopsies back they said you know a good year maybe two years if I had treatment and that was if if I responded well to treatment just because there was so much cancer. Basically they said you just had months. Yes. Yeah. Originally, they said I had, I'd be lucky if I made three to six months is what they told me when I, on day one, that's what they told me. I was lucky if I had three to six months. And so right away, I started going, like I got out of the hospital. When I got out of the hospital, I started selling off my horses and my equipment and stuff like that. I mean, that's a really tough blow to to get, you know, a person that runs their own business. I've been self-sufficient my whole life and been a very strong person and run my own show. And so here I am trying to sell off my stuff and try to figure out how to, what to navigate next. It was a pretty defining moment as to what I was going to do and where I was going to go from there. And I'm really glad that the path I chose was to fight. And I've done that. So when you were diagnosed with this initial meeting and then they do the biopsies and stuff like that, and they say with chemo, you've got this much time without you've got X amount of time. So basically they were saying to you, just to be clear here, that the chemo could buy you a bit of time, that would, but it would not eradicate the cancer? Absolutely, yeah. They said there was no cure for a stage four, anyone that's stage four, that they could treat it and they could try to prolong my life and give me the best quality of life. But again, like they told me, I didn't have to continue treatment if I didn't want to because treatment options were going to make me tired, make me feel sick. So they're like, well, your options are, you know, you you fight this and you feel you know, you're going to have the chemo and you're not going to feel that great or you can just lay down and die because without the chemo, you're not going to you have very little time left. And I mean, I was so sick. I could barely, you know, and your mind does play a big part in this because at the time that I got diagnosed, I was a worker now seven days a week. When we start racehorses at seven days a week, three for seven months straight, we don't take a day off. And I get there at the barn at three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I was there till midnight, you know, racing horses. So it was long days. And when I got in the hospital and they asked me my, like, do I still work? And I told them my hours and that I work seven days a week. And they told me that with patients with this much cancer shouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. Do you know the next day that I couldn't get out of bed in the morning? My brain told me I, I can't get out of bed and I was too sick. And I had to fight that demon to allow me to, to say, uh-uh, I'm going to continue going through this. I'm going to fight. I'm going to look for other options to help me through this. Interesting. Power of the mind. Wow. Powerful. So powerful. Yeah. Shelly, I can't believe the, the, the shock that you must have been in when you went just for a simple MRI because you got hit by a horse. And then they tell you you only have months to live. I mean, that psychologically, that must be devastating. 
I was in disbelief. I just sat there with my mouth hanging open. And the first, like, I don't have any parents left. So I called my brother in Montreal and my sister in Regina and, and they came, they were on the next planes out to, to be with me, to, to help me through this all. And my brother actually stayed with me for six months uh, to help me through. Cause I had to have two lung surgeries right up, right off the hop that they sent me in for a lung surgery that almost took my life. Um, then when I got healed from that, um, then they had to redo the lung surgery over again, which was really, really difficult. Um, so it's been, it's been a challenge. The chemo is a challenge, but now with the oil, I'm finding that I'm handling the chemo a little bit better and, um, and I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, the doctor doesn't know what to say because I'm kind of defying the odds right now. Shelly, what were the surgeries, uh, with your lungs about? Well, the cancer had eaten a pretty significant hole into my left lung, so I was had loculated fluid. So the the whole um, left lobe was all pockets of fluid, and so what they wanted to do was go in. They broke down the pockets, but then they didn't leave a drain in, so I got really bad infection. So the first one, they they actually sent me home because they said there was nothing else they could do. I wasn't responding to antibiotics and I didn't think I was going to make it. And uh, I actually told my family, I said, I don't think I'm going to make it through the night. And the next day I woke up and I was so lucky I was still here. And um, then I just started getting better. It's, I guess God's not ready for me yet. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too tough for him yet. So That's remarkable. How did you progress how did you improve over the ensuing months from september of 2020 to say september of 2021 well there's so much to navigate and it is very very difficult when you start going into the whole journey of cancer and medications and alternative treatments and and there that's uh, and such uh, stuff like that is so difficult um, to navigate because there's so much information out there and you get so overwhelmed. So when I first started going on the computer and started to research alternative medicines, um, different things that you could do to help yourself uh, through this journey, there was just times where I had to shut the computer off and just step away and say, I can't do this anymore. I have to take a break from it. But I always went back and I started researching the oils and the alternative treatments because I felt that if chemotherapy it all it is doing is poisoning you it's not it's not fixing you um I because of how far I'm along I didn't feel I could go it alone with just alternative treatments but I did start researching the alternative treatments and I came across the the oils and uh, a couple of protocols that I also went on to to help with the journey and it started to make um, the tumors decrease. And um, so I was seeing pretty good results with um, the small amount of oil that I was taking. I was just buying it on my own, just through um, the dispensaries here in Winnipeg. And uh, so I was seeing with that and the alternative treatments that my, my scans were getting better. Um, so that's why I decided to reach out to Corey and see if I could get the right strain, like the real solid cannabis where I could actually take the four to one ratio. And I've been on that for two months. Now, prior to that, I did end up having a, so every time your treatment fails, they start you on something else. So I've actually, um, I think I told you, Corey, that I was only on, um, I was on the Ibrance, the capsidabine, 
and the doxorubicin, but actually it was on doxataxel in between there, between the capsidabine and the doxorubicin. So I was on doxataxel. Okay. So with, with all those, you know, as they fail, they, they put you on like a little stronger one, a little stronger until, you know, they kind of run out of options. Well, they say that the one I'm on now is kind of like last option. Like it's the strongest one. It's hard on your heart. It's really difficult for you to be on. But, um, like I said, I feel now, now that I've, so right before this, I had four tumors that had shown up in my stomach lining. So this is prior to me going on the, the solid uh, gram a day of the, the cannabis oil. Now, when I started doing that, the four, now the last scans, the four tumors in my stomach are now unmeasurable. So they have pretty much and the only change that i have done is the going on the gram a day of the of the thc now did you take the gram a day orally or by suppository i'm doing it orally yeah so i take it at night because obviously functioning on that much uh, thc if you have a job where you have to be high functioning is for me i i react to it by just getting really sleepy and just want to just relax and sleep and so um for me i take it at night right before i go to bed and it's worked really well for me i like your choice of words high functioning if you take it during the day <laughs> yes then i wouldn't be high functioning <laughs> i'd be sleeping so what's the status of the other tumors everything is decreased or stable so right now i'm considered 100% stable Wow, that's yeah. pretty darn good for somebody who's supposed to be leaving the planet. Yes, very. Like, I mean, this this last scan I was very nervous about because of the four tumors. That was a concern. Um, you know, we had been not successful in really uh, scrubbing those out. Those were ones that were residual that just kind of hung around and kind of grew a little bit. And then they would kind of stay the same. They were just pesky, like just wouldn't go away. And finally, this last scan, they're up, all four of them are unmeasurable. That last scan must have been extremely important for you psychologically to know very, that you've got the so. upper hand on this. Very much so. Um, you know, like you have to also understand when you're doing this type of a journey, the expense is huge. Like, you know, you, you want to live. And so you're going to pump every, I mean, I'm going to put my money to saving my life. And that's really important. So if you're going to be putting money into saving your life, you want to know it works, you know? So I've done some like alternative treatments that I was doing the heat probe that didn't work because the only place I was putting it was on my stomach. And the only place that the cancer was growing was my stomach. So that didn't work. So, and that was a very expensive treatment that I was doing once, once to twice a week. And so you have to figure out what is working, and especially with your body, because everybody work, everybody's body works a little differently, and uh, figure out what works for you. And I mean, I, I really have uh, felt that this cannabis oil has just really taken me to another level that I, I don't know if I would have gotten to without it. Do your doctors know that you're taking cannabis? Uh, yes. He, uh, my doctor is... As much as at the beginning, shook his head a lot, like, okay, do what, you know, you're going to do. Basically, what he always said to me was, you're going to do what you're going to do anyways. He kind of read me right off the bat and realized I was the kind of person that I was going to do the treatments that I was going to do. And I was going to do it my way. And he was going to help just 
work into that. Like he wasn't going to go up against me and say that I couldn't do certain treatments and stuff like that. He's been really um, good that way. And all he says to me now is keep doing what you're doing because whatever you're doing, this is working. Great. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So Shani, how is this, how, how has this helped you with the chemo? Are you still taking chemo? I do. I do a doxorubicin once every three weeks and it is really hard on a person. It's, I mean, you get the neuropathy, you get the, the heavy legs, the it's, it's a poison. It's not good for you at all. And um, so it makes me feel pretty crappy, but I find now, I think the oil does help. Like I, I take the oils. It helps me relax. It helps me to like, if, as long as I listen to my body and not overdo it, cause I tend to be, I'm a little bit of a goer. I tend to go too much. And as long as I listen to my body and not overdo it, then I seem to stay pretty good. And before the oil, I think it was a lot harder on me. I think it took a, a bigger toll and I felt sicker. I don't definitely don't have the nausea I had when I wasn't taking the oil. Given the fact that the oil has been working for you and, um, it seems to be beneficial in terms of your your stomach tumors, which uh, are almost, did you say undetectable, unmeasurable? Yeah, unmeasurable, yeah. Uh, yeah. Given that, have you thought that maybe in the weeks or months ahead, you may not take the chemo and just deal with the oil? Yeah, actually, um, I have spoken with my um, oncologist about, because I live in Florida for the winters, and it's it's really expensive and and it's taxing on the body to have to fly back and forth for treatments every three weeks. Um, so this past winter, he allowed me to have um, a break, and he said that because my scans are so good that he feels that I can have a break this winter and have two or three um, sessions off and see how I do, and then we'll follow up by a scan and see how I'm making it with the scans and just stay on the alternative treatment and see if my cancer stays stable just on the uh, THC. Oh, wouldn't that be nice if that was the case? I would love that. It would change my life because I wouldn't have to fly back and forth. I wouldn't have to have this poison in my body. I mean, so this is, it'll be a big test this winter when I get to go off of it to see how my body responds and stays, you know, um, but my scans, like I said, I did take two uh, rounds off this winter not not consecutively but around and then I went back home for a round and then I took another I think I had two rounds in a row and then I took another round off so I'd like to do two or three rounds off this winter and see how I do and as long as the cancer stays stable um, I'd like to stay off the chemo as much as I can because they're just poisoning me so if one it's it's if I stay on the if I stay on the chemo then it's damaging my heart and every every other good cell in my body, you know. So I would love it if I could come off the chemo. That's my yeah. goal. You're on that four to one ratio. Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm on the four to one ratio. But you said I think when I talked to you, you said the fellow that I'm getting it from actually has a higher strain, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I wasn't sure on that. Multi strain. Multi strain, but yeah. 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 So it's that four to one ratio just for listeners so they know. So that is four parts of THC to one part of C B D. Okay. Yeah. Just just so everybody's clear on that. Right. We should also mention, Corey, that people keep referring to THC as C B D. Mm-hmm. And yes. we get uh, we get that almost every day. 
even people who have some knowledge of cannabis think that the CBD is going to be the be-all and end-all for them. But it's uh, the THC that kills the cancer. And, uh, Corey, 70% or higher? 60. 60? 60 yeah, 60. I'd like, I'd like to see 60, absolute, absolute minimum of 50, but 60 or higher if you can. 60% or higher THC. Just thanks, Shelley. You you were given uh, months to live, and uh, here we are, uh, three years later, and you're talking about going to Florida for the winter. Yes, it's amazing. I love it. I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Uh, the only thing I would like to maybe address is the how much more absorption is there in dosing rectally versus orally? Like, am I better to start doing rectally versus the orally for better absorption? Well, you're talking to the suppository queen here. So, <laughs> yes, what the answer is going to be. But, uh, but joking aside, Shelley, yeah, um, I've chosen to suggest to people that they uh, rectally dose actually for about 10 years. But now we have the uh, backup, the science indicating that the concentration of cannabinoids given rectally versus orally is 100 times stronger for THC, 250 times stronger for CBD, but no, but no high. Okay. So I get a lot yeah. more benefit from it. So, so that's something now can, can you do that with the capsules or is that with the particular capsules you have from the particular person you're getting it from? Yes, you can. Those are vegan quick dissolve capsules. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Sounds so you good. can use those no, no problem. And you want it an inch in inch to an inch and a half, just past the inner sphincter muscle. Right. Okay. Yeah. It takes some practice. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't wanted to practice yet, but one of these days. <laughs> well, you don't get high, and you can take it uh, multiple times during the day. Right. That that's what uh, Which, that's what I was thinking is you know to make if there's times when I can't take it at night and stuff like that, it would be just easier. I could do it that way and just take it at any any point during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and taking it rectally, uh, Corey, uh, you mentioned it was 100 times more effective with THC. Uh, didn't you say on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago that cancer starts to grow more aggressively at night? Yeah, yeah. It's recently been discovered that cancer is far more aggressive and active at nighttime, particularly breast cancer. Oh, okay. By the way, yeah, particularly breast cancer. Wow. But, you know, even if you even if you look at like lymphoma patients, one of the first signs of lymphoma is um, night sweats. Oh, that's that's one of the first signs of lymphoma. Right. So, Mm. yeah. Shelly, Ann, that uh, story you told us about the horse biting you, how the hell did that happen? Well, we got this horse in that was supposed to be very, very aggressive. And I had been warned about the horse being aggressive. And uh, so I had a specific groom that only took care of the horse. I didn't handle the horse whatsoever. And one night I was going in to check horses at night. I just go back and make sure everybody's okay at the barn. And she didn't, she, the way she was standing, she kind of looked off to me. So I walked a little closer to her stall and she was standing in the back of her stall and she just took dead aim on me. She charged the chains and she grabbed me so hard. She ripped my jacket, ripped my skin, everything. Like, I mean, 
She tore through oh. a hoodie and a t-shirt because it was winter time and, and cut like opened up the skin a little bit, just like broke the skin a little bit, but left a huge um, bite there. And they say that cancers can actually like, you know, caught, like uh, something brings it out in you. And they figure that that's where it's all started was that bite in that breast. Whoa. Yeah. Cause I had had Jeez. a mammogram. I had had a mammogram maybe about six months prior to that and had nothing like my mammogram was clear. So that's the only thing that had happened in between the mammogram and me getting diagnosed with cancer was me getting bitten that breast. And then, like I said, finding that. And as soon as they started treating me with the eyebrows, the tumor is gone. Like that, that bite mark where, where that big mm-hmm. ball was like, it was the size of a softball, uh, maybe not a softball, a baseball, about the size of a yeah. baseball, but that lump is gone now now since uh i've been on treatment so and what's happened to the horse to be honest with you they actually end up having to put her down because she was so aggressive she was dangerous so at the end of the season they couldn't nobody was willing to try to sell her or anything like that because they were scared like what happens if she was to savage a kid or something like that and they thought she she was that way so they actually made the decision to put her down the owners did so but i just have a really quick little story about um why I'm actually probably still here in terms of when we talk about how uh, things kind of happen to make you like continue on. Um, I had a horse real grace um, that I purchased for the Derby. Our Derby is like, so in Canada, we have the Canadian Derby. So it's equivalent to like the United States Kentucky Derby. It's our smaller version. Yeah. So we have the Canadian Derby. And so I bought this horse in Florida and I bring him up here and he's doing really well. So we decided we're going to run him in the Derby here in Winnipeg. He didn't run that good. I get diagnosed right after that. And and I had sent the horse to another racetrack because I thought the horse, I still thought the horse was good enough to win a big race like that. So I sent him off to another track. Well, in the meantime, I get diagnosed with uh, the stage four cancer and I can't go watch the horse run. And the horse is in the biggest race of his life. He ended up being the longest shot on the board. So he wasn't supposed to win the race. And I couldn't be there because I was in the hospital and the horse went wire to wire and won the race. Oh, Yeah. And so it was for $100,000. That was like my, so I trained it for a client. So me and the client got to celebrate. And it was the one thing that I was ready to just give up, throw my hands up and say like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen with me. And it was the one thing that made me start like deciding that if this horse can give everything and fight, I can give everything and fight also. Yeah, well, it's a great metaphor for you, uh, Shelley. I mean, you can go wire to wire. You can Absolutely. you can beat this. I can. Yeah, you're all, you're already on the right path. Um, and uh, I think you know if we did, uh, let's say six months, eight months from now, um, you may be given the all clear, and uh, you know we can do another interview with you because I think what you have is I think you've got the right mental attitude. And uh, you're on the right oil, and yeah. uh, it's working for you. It is. Have you done any dietary changes? I have not done any dietary changes. I because I had gastric sleeve, I had a autoimmune disorder, so I had a gastric sleeve done. So I have such a hard time eating anything. So they told me I I went vegan and alkaline when I first uh, got diagnosed. Right away, I went vegan alkaline, and I got so thin and so weak that they told me 
just, you got to eat, you just got to eat. So I don't have any dietary restrictions. I, and I know I should, I know I should restrict my sugar and, and restrict a bunch of other things, but I personally don't. Oh, you got to restrict the sugar. Yes. I do try to restrict the sugar as much as I can, but as for, for meats and dairy and stuff like that, I'm, I try to stay away from dairy, but, um, I would say not as I probably could eat better and do better on my eating for sure. Mm-hmm. Shelly, they say that a gentleman should never ask a lady her age, but how old are you? I just turned 50 this year. Perfect. Yeah, you got a lot of years ahead of you there, Shell. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, yeah. I think. I plan, uh, I plan on sticking around. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Shelly, it's, uh, it's been a great story, and I think it's a fantastic story of how you've overcome these obstacles and health issues. Do you have uh, anything you'd like to tell our listeners in conclusion? Uh, in conclusion, I would just like to say, you know, um, everyone's journey is their own and, uh, you know, go, go about it at your own speed and your own, uh, own pace and look into the alternative medications and the THC and this kind of thing, because this does work. And I want people to live. I want people to still be here after the doctors tell them that they don't have a chance because doctors don't know. They, they just, they're guessing, they're guessing as much as we are. And we're all trying to get through this together. Very well said. Yeah. Good advice, sir. Shelly, was wonderful to talk to you and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Shelly, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli. 
Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.